playbook jazz going live very excited today to have dr david moyer on playing around uh if you're just joining us we took a little break a little winter break we're back on let's see dr moyer is about to join us let me see if he'll Do 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 do. David, yeah. Dr. Moyer. There we go. I was cool. just singing do 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 do. Salty, salty. Yep, salty, salty. All right. Yep. Let me give a little intro for the. It's very catchy. That's. We're gonna get to that. Uh, thank you for joining us on a Sunday, Grammy Grammy Day, Grammy oh, Award yeah. Day. Grammy Weekend, that's right. Um, let me introduce you to the good folks out there. Yeah. Dr. David Moyer is a professional. Can you hear me okay, by the way? Yeah. I'm in yeah, a, I'm in a, okay, great. Dr. David Moyer is a professional saxophonist, woodwind, woodwind doubler, ranger, composer, educator, and producer based in his hometown of Los Angeles, California. If you don't know him, he is currently Director of Jazz Studies, Instrumental Music and Applied Music, and Assistant Professor of Music at El Camino College in Torrance, California. He's got his BA from UCLA, uh, Master's and Doctorate from the Thornton School of Music at USC. Um, David maintains a very dynamic career. Uh, you've probably seen him in videos if you've ever gone a, a, down a YouTube rabbit hole everywhere from Kamasi Washington, Terrace Martin, Gerald Wilson's Orchestra, John Legend, the list goes on. Oh, Tears for Fears. Dang, amazing. I love that. Uh, he's a Glassenberry, Coachella, all of that. Uh, Walt Disney Concert Hall. He co-leads his contemporary jazz quintet, D.D. Horns, along with trumpeter Danny Levine. Uh, the first debut, D.D. Horns, was released independently. And their follow-up, Cali Shine, which I love, came out last year. Uh, Moyer's robust sound is landed him. You hear him on all these kinds of records. Jimmy Cliff's Grammy-winning record, The Rebirth. That's why we did had him on for Grammy Weekend. Snoop Dogg, Snoop Lion, Florence and the Machine. Just it keeps going. So the point is, hey, Dr. Moyer is here. How are you doing, Dr. Moyer? I'm awesome. Doing great. Um, yeah, really just you know enjoying enjoying life and uh, enjoying. And he's Grammy an avid Grammy surfer. Can I, yes. Can I say also he's oh, an yeah. avid surfer? He's an I avid long. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we've been meaning to go out, paddle out sometime. We have not had the chance to keep missing each other, but we're, we're, yeah. we're going to make it happen one of these days. Definitely. So I want to ask you the first, our, 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 our standard label question. What have you been listening to lately? Yes, this is a, man, this is such a great question. It's a hard one too, because it's all over the map. Um, so I, like, I can kind of go in a couple different directions with it. Um, one is like music for kind of myself that I've been listening to. Um, I've really been loving Shabaka Hutchings' new record. I think it's called African Culture. Right. He's kind of doing just a bunch of, like not playing saxophone at all on it. So he's kind of overdubbed a bunch of um, shakuhachi and various kinds of other types of flutes, um, clarinet and whatnot. And there's, you know, a bunch of koto and, and auxiliary percussion. And it's very kind of ethereal soundscapey, mm. like just beautiful, beautiful record. Um, so I, I'm really digging that. Um, I got a record, man. There's a record shop up the street from, from my house that has a really great little jazz selection. And I got this uh, Wardell Gray record okay. featuring Errol Garner. 
that I just I like right. It's like like Bernie Royal is playing on it. Barney Kessel is on it. It's wow. like it's just a blowing session, but it's like it just swings so hard. Mm. Um, Lo-fi fidelity, you know, the recording quality is not great, but it's like playing is phenomenal. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of that, and then um, you know, my wife and I have. Um, he's going to be four months old in a couple of weeks, so we have like a three and a half month old son now. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of music with him. So it's all over the map. It's everything from like Rafi, which is awesome. If you like go back and check out some Rafi, there's some killing playing on like his late seventies records, you know, like kids, like kids Rafi stuff, but like yeah. it's good mus musicianship is high. Um, so everything from that to like, you know, listening to Aaron Copeland and, and he actually loves Errol Garner. Um, he likes listening to me play the alto flute. So I've been kind of like, you know, checking out like Duke Pearson's the, the Phantom is a great alto flute record. Um, so just all over the so that a lot of it is like music that I'm listening to with my son. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so everything from children's music to whatever, whatever he likes, you know. So you're somebody who and first of all, congratulations on becoming a new father. What's his name? His name is Miles. Miles Jackson. Is that okay, does Miles have any jazz significance? Um, short answer is no. <laughs> like, we just, we like the name. Um, we really like the name, but it's, I, I, it's, it's definitely not a bad kind of um, connection to yeah. have. So I'm, I'm pretty, uh, like, I'm totally cool with, like, with people assuming that he's named after Miles Davis because, I mean, that's not, not a bad namesake. Yeah. So, so you're somebody, I, I think it's, uh, I'm very interested, and in, I think for, for students and teachers out there, you're somebody who takes education really seriously yep. while maintaining a, a pretty, as you, you know, I listed the, the names of folks you've worked with, a robust playing career. Talk to me about when you started, what was, as you became more serious about music, um, what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to try to have it all? What was your thinking? Yeah. Or did you always conceptualize being an educator first? How no. did you think about all that? Not, not really. I mean, I, so I, I come from a family of educators. Like my, my, um, my mom taught French and taught, um, taught ESL. And my grandmother um, on my dad's side was actually a choir. She was a, a choir teacher at Mark Twain Middle School here in LA. Um, so I, and my, my grandparents on my mom's side were science, like botany teacher and chemistry teacher. They were all educators. Um, but I didn't really... I didn't want to be in education really when I was like an undergrad and what I, like I, had, I just, just playing. And I, I didn't even conceptualize like a, a career doing session work when I was in, you know, in an undergrad, like 18 to 21. Um, but I remember, you know, my, my mom basically saying, you know, you should probably just maybe get a teaching credential just as, as something to, you know, it can, it can help kind of with, with your career and help you with income and whatnot. So I, I kind of, I just decided to do a music education minor and ending up, ended up getting a teaching credential from CSUN. Um, and I didn't really think, like, I didn't want to be a teacher, right? I didn't want to be in education. Why? Um, Why didn't you want to be, what, what was your I just, You know, I think that there's this kind of, and I think it's a misconception, frankly, because so many people, and I've been listening to a lot of the other guests that you've had on the, on the podcast, which is great. And people keep touching on this theme over and over again, which is, you know, teaching, we have all had excellent mentor teachers, you know, we wouldn't be where we are as musicians today without the, the mentorship of some of these kinds of musicians, elders that have passed on their wisdom to us. Teaching is a part of a, of a vibrant musical career as a musician, like 
everybody does it. if they're not doing it as like a permanent position people are teaching master classes people are teaching workshops it's a part of being a musician um, but there's this kind of misconception that those that can't do teach you know and i i kind of bought into that when i was maybe 20 21 you know it's like oh the teaching is, is kind of jive that's like that's what you do if you can't actually hack it um and that's just it couldn't be further from the truth you know it's at a certain point you kind of you you get to a, a point where you kind of want to give back and share some of the wisdom that you've that you've gained throughout your career um but yeah i didn't really get really into serious about uh, education until I like it's a kind of a long story. So I'll just boil it down short. I, I had a gig on a cruise ship, an awesome gig, but I was, I was subbing. <laughs> I would like only be on one route for like three weeks at a time at most. Wow. Um, so me and my buddy, Adam Schroeder, great berry player, we both like split the berry chair on car subbing for carnival cruise lines. And I did that for like 10 months and I came back and I had a couple of gigs that were like pretty nice road gigs. And then I came back and I just had, there was no work. It was like dried, you know? And I was like, man, I got to do something. And so I took that teaching credential and I got a job teaching music at a performing arts middle school in LA, um, 32nd street magnet near USC. So uh, like right across from SE. Yeah. Um, and I started teaching there. And while I was teaching there, that coincided with me starting to kind of my, my session career in LA starting to kind of take off. And I, I just really, I, I, I really liked it. <laughs> like I, I was teaching and I was like, man, this is actually a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I brought my horn in every day and I would like play with the, the students and whatnot. I was like, man, I'm actually getting to like warm up with them. And then I could go home and kind of woodshed, but I'm already warm because I've been yeah. playing with them. You know, it was like, it was, it was fun. Um, and it just, it's kind of just progressed from there. And I've, I've realized as I've gotten older and kind of more into my career that it's just, it's part of being a musician. It, re it really is. And you can't, it's part of being a musician. You know, we all mm -hmm. have great mentor teachers and it's, it's a, it's, it's not any different than performing or, or, you know, recording or anything. It's, it's well, part of the career. Was there any mentors that stand out to you as far as like really pushed you, um, sort of, uh, helped you go from seeing it as just a hobby to something, wow, I could really do this for my life. Yeah. Um, so I had a great high school band director named Sid Lassane um, at, at Hamilton High School in L.A. I met him so once, was, actually. I met him right towards the end of his year. Awesome guy, guy, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, he was he was probably just as fiery then as, as he even he's just great educator, you know, and he just like inspired passion for music. Um, so him um, and then Gerald Wilson was actually te uh, taught at um, UCLA when I was a, a freshman there. So he he kind of took a flyer on me and had me play Barry um, in his band um, after I met him at UCLA. And that kind of really inspired me to, you know, I was like, wow, he, he trusts me for this, you know, Jack Nimitz's chair, this great kind of list of Barry players that have sat in that chair. And he's trusting me as like a, you know, a little 19, 20 year old punk kid to come and sit in, in this band in legendary band and play the Barry chair. And it was, you know, that, that little bit of trust that he, that he had in my abilities um really kind of inspired me to you know continue um, and that's so, oh go ahead yeah. no that that was no, it's, I mean, that was great. it's such a yeah, sorry. funny example that you give like gerald wilson is like one of the a consummate player arranger but yeah. then when you talk about wow he's somebody who in in his 80s was teaching at a university 
Oh yeah, man. And he, you know, he did that throughout his whole career. More people that I meet through throughout town, like he taught at CSUN before he was at UCLA. I think he taught that class. It was a survey of jazz class that he taught, like history of jazz, which is like, you're taking history of jazz from like the guy that played with Duke Ellington, right? Like right. He's, he is the history of jazz. Um, and he, he taught that class, I think from like the seventies, you know, at universities through, throughout LA, like up until basically the time that he passed. I mean, he was like, he was a consummate educator and he, he believed in passing on his passion for music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, yeah. I mean, and I never really thought of it like until you're kind of pointing it out now that like, that's someone who you don't think of Gerald as an educator, really. Like he's, he's, a, you know, composer or big band leader. Right. Um, but he was, he was an educator. And so, so talk to me a little bit about now you're in a position where you're interacting with a ton of students every year. Um, what, what sort of ideas or values are you trying to give them so that they are um, ready for say post-graduation? Yeah. That's an awesome, awesome question. Um, I think so, you know, there's the standard kind of musical stuff that like, I don't even think we need to kind of get into because we, as musicians, we all know, like there's theoretical, technical kind of, it's stuff that's going to be the same in any, any school, anywhere um, that you go. And that's pretty standardized. Um, but I think what's really important to me is, especially teaching at the community college level where, um, you know, a lot of times students are, are either, they're coming to, to, to the school either because they want to transfer to a four year or they want to transition into something professional. Um, teaching basic tenets of professionalism, um, mm-hmm. show up on time, you know, do what you say you're going to do, <laughs> you know, like read the, read the gig instructions and wear the right clothes to the gig. Um, like that, that kind of, that kind like the basic kind of basic, basic professionalism things that we kind of take for granted as professional musicians that we might not have had dialed when we were 18 years old. Yeah. Um, so that kind of stuff is, is really really important to me um that i that i kind of transfer to them um respond to your emails quickly you know be be you know take take opportunities when they're presented to you um value your time um you know there there are all sorts of kind of lessons that we've learned as professional musicians just by doing it that that i think is is really kind of important to pass on Mm -hmm. um you know and and another kind of thing that i think is pretty important in, especially in kind of jazz education now is I think it's important to teach students to kind of take take chances like they're going to learn the the canon you know they're going to learn they're going to learn all, all the greats they're going to learn the canon but there's there's it's it's important for students to think creatively I think and to to, to be able to to have kind of um open an open mind you know they they, they might need to go down the rabbit hole of, of you know, tunnel vision, but they should always be open to other perspectives and other styles of music. Um, speak, speak a little bit more about that, because obviously you've worked in a ton of different settings. What, what, do, what do you what do you mean about that? I, I think that oftentimes in jazz education, we can kind of, we tend to think of jazz as being this kind of like morally superior type of music that, I mean, I love it. It's, it's my passion, but yeah. you know, music is music is music is music at the end of the day. And, um, you know, you're, if you have an open mind about, about music, you're going to be able to take inspiration from various sources. You know, you're going to be able to hear a rap, you know, 
you're going to be able to hear a, a contemporary rap song and maybe find some inspiration, or you're going to hear Aaron Copeland and find inspiration, or the story about Charlie Parker kind of, you know, routinely going and putting on country and Western songs because they're telling stories, right? It's like, that's, there's a universal kind of aspect of music that touches us that transcends genre. And mm -hmm. if we go super tunnel vision, we kind of go down that, that kind of rabbit hole of only checking one thing out, then we kind of lose the world of music around us. And it, I, I think that's, that can be kind of, um, it's, it's a catch. It's a catch twenty two because you kind of need to in order to really learn the the language and really learn the technique. And but at the same time, you're limiting your kind of um, experiences as a human being by by doing that. So, yeah. You know, I I talk to Corbin a lot about this. Corbin Jones, who both of us yeah. know, about people who say like, "Oh, how do I become a professional?" Or I'll, I'll work with students. And the idea you touched on of professionalism, which I, I just I think can't be stressed enough. Can you talk about sort of how your jazz training enabled you to be successful? So, like, do you feel that, say, Snoop Dogg session or any of these sessions that are way outside of jazz, how your jazz training enabled you to be a consummate professional? And if there's one that, an idea, a specific time that it felt like, I'm so yes. glad I know music, I yes. know that I, I came from that world. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a couple of things. One is just having a good ear. Like, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to really get anywhere as jazz musicians without transcribing, like, tons. Um, so having a good ear and being able to hear um, form, being able to hear, being able to hear intervallically, being able to hear form, being able to hear that, everything that comes with transcribing helps when you're doing kind of a, a recording session in which there is no written music. Um, and you have to kind of conceptualize what it is the artist or producer wants, and they're maybe playing something for you on a keyboard or a guitar or singing something. You need to be able to transcribe and like, you don't get anywhere as jazz musician without transcribing so that's huge um and then just, just so for even people i know it's some but for yeah. audience so like you've had to where you're in sessions and that's what people will sing the phrase as opposed oh, to oh yeah man i 95 percent of the session work that i do there's no written music there's yeah. you know the, and that's another fool's gold thing with music education it's like you got to know how to read music yeah you should know how to read music like it's that's being an educated musician but really if you want to work as a musician now in today's day and age, know how to record yourself, know how to mm. share files, right? Know how to name files, know, know how to submit proper file names to a producer in the way that they're asking you to, right? Reading music is, is the days of like sitting down in a session with a whole section and like you're part of the orchestra. That's a fraction of the session work that's out there. Um, so, you know, have a good ear be able to hear things, be able to transcribe on the spot. Um, that's really important. That's super important. Um, and, and the training as a jazz musician in, in transcribing is, is invaluable yeah. for that, that skill set. We, we got a question here from, from Raphael who mm -hmm. asked about, are there any advantages to being class, quote unquote, classically trained musician? Um, technique, <laughs> Te technique, definitely technique. And also Raphael, good to see you um technique is is a huge i mean technique is a huge advantage also classical musicians you're not going to be a great classical musician same thing as like playing jazz right we have to think in terms of form um you have to know what's going on formally within the structures of the, the pieces that you're playing right and that that i think is is a universal as far as being a a, a good musician really a, 
you know, you've got to be able to think big. Can you talk a little bit about, so work-life balance, you're, I, I find it inspiring people like you who, you're, you're married, you go surfing, you play git, like you do it all. Can you talk about how you prioritize? Because I feel like so many musicians, that's something I like about the education world. Um, there's an emphasis on that, on work-life balance, on like being a healthy person. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that, how you make decisions to enable that? Uh, um, it's really hard and I don't know that I've figured it out yet. In fact, I'm, I'm, I 100% have not figured it out yet. I'm in the process of figuring it out. Um, but I think it, it starts with kind of just understand, like, I think when I was in, in, in college and under, you know, an undergrad and whatnot, I, music was like all, that was all that was important. It was all encompassing. It was, it was everything. Um, and, you know, you get to, you get to a certain point in life where you realize that you're not going to have anything to say musically unless you kind of experience the rest of life. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I, I feel like I wouldn't, I, I would not have, um, anything to say musically if I didn't have a life outside of music. Um, so yeah, you know, I love going surfing. I, it's, I love being out in, in nature and in, in the ocean. And, you know, I love being with my family. I love being with friends. I love doing non-musical stuff. Um, I love cooking, you know, because it's just, it's, it's experiencing life um, and experiencing all the riches and, you know, all the, the pleasures and kind of pains of life and everything else that comes with life that helps to feed musical expression. Um, so, you know, and at a certain point, I think also you can, you get comfortable enough with your career, you have enough opportunities that you can say no to things. Um, and that kind of helps to create opportunities for you to spend time doing other things besides, you know, work specific things. Um, but that's a, it's always a work in progress. Yeah. Work-life balance is huge. That's a, that's a really tough one. And it's something I I'm, struggle with every day. Mm -hmm. So, and, and are there any ideas, whether it be ideas that mentors gave to you, educators gave to you, or ideas that you want to make sure your students have? I mean, I would say mantra or whatever you, word you want to use, but things that you're like, you know what, like you brought up professionalism, things that you just feel like are super important for a successful career in the arts. Yeah, I think so. A couple of things. Um, one is... What is I, I'm kind of forgetting the the the, the saying, but there, there there are several. Okay, so the rising tide lifts all ships. I think that's kind of like more or less the the saying, right? You want to be supportive of everybody that's in your circle. Um, you want to be as positive as you can about and help build community um, and help maintain community because your community, you know, if your community improving and and getting somewhere in their careers is going to uplift you and help you. Um, and it's, you know, this is a collective um, process. So we want to build community and kind of maintain community and, and promote each other, support each other. Um, so that's huge. Um, I think also another thing is just having, um, having a lot of different fires going, have your, having your feet in a lot of different, um, uh, having, your, have, having a lot of fires going, right? And, and doing a lot of different things professionally, um, gigging, recording, teaching, Whatever it is, we need to have kind of a lot of different, uh, as musicians, typically speaking, you have to have a lot of different things going for you um, in order to maintain a, a career. Um, so don't be afraid of, of opportunities um, and saying yes to opportunities that might seem a little outside of your comfort zone. 
Um, say yes, figure it out on the fly, learn how to get it done once you say yes to the, to the job. Um, for the most part, I mean, sometimes that's not, you know, sometimes, you know, like I get called to do a bassoon gig, I'm not going to take it because I'm, that's, I'm going to fall flat on my side. Where you draw the line. That's a drama. <laughs> so whoever wants, whoever out there knows how to play bassoon well, there's a plenty of gigs for you because David's not going to take that's them. It. That's it. But yeah, I mean, you know, recognize when there's an opportunity, say yes to it, and then really work hard to, to be successful at that opportunity. Um, that's one. And then there's another one that I've been saying to my son every day, and I've just been kind of like saying it to him with the hopes that through osmosis, he just kind of, it just becomes a part of his um, philosophy, I guess, which is it's you're, you're strong, you're kind, you can do anything you can put your mind to. Um, so that's kind of like the, the mantra that I, man, it's, it's just beautiful to me that, that for, I heard someone say it like a couple weeks ago. I was like, man, I need to tell this to my son every day because that's really what it's about, right? It's you, you have the strength to do, um, to stick by your convictions. You're kind, you're a good person and you can accomplish anything that you want provided that you really, um, apply yourself. Mm. Awesome. So, yeah. Last question here, which is always our last question on Playground. I want to ask about, obviously, we come from a digital, I, I'm, I'm interested in how the digital world can make learning music more manageable and give people the skills to do it their whole lifetime. I'm curious. Totally. You're someone who doesn't fear technology in your classroom. Like I know at the top of the right. pandemic, you were, not all educators were like that. Can you talk about yeah. how navigated that like obviously certain things cannot be learned virtually certain things right how do, how do you think about it what in your program as you as you teach um so yeah i think that's uh, totally right on and, and you know full disclosure like we i i loved using playbook when when we were like in the thick of things and it was like it was salvation it, it allowed students to really um interact with high, high level musicianship which is which is fantastic um but yeah, I don't think that there's anything to fear with technology. You know, I think that a lot of times people in, in maybe classical and jazz settings, educational settings, maybe do fear technology because they don't have kind of a, a grasp of how to utilize it. Um, but yeah, I, I, there are definitely, absolutely, you're not going to be able to replicate a performance ensemble virtually. That's just, you know, you've got to be able to sit in and in a section and hear sympathetic vibrations, you know, and, and, and know what it's like to play in tune in a section or know what it's like to count a tune off with the band. Um, and that's not going to happen virtually. Um, but there are a lot of various, um, there are a lot of benefits to, to like a program like playbook or just, just utilizing technology in the classroom. Um, I, it's important to know how to record yourself. Like I, I've mentioned that before, but that's, that's technology, right? Like knowing how to use an audio interface and a microphone and a, knowing what a signal chain is. Um, using a program like Playbook in an, in an improv course, which I really hope to start doing again in the improv class at El Camino, it's, it's another tool to help students be able to practice on their own with high level musicianship. Um, and you know, I, there, there, there's no reason to really your technology, I think, is just there. There are ways of incorporating um, technological tools. They're they're really just tools, like any other kind of like any other kind of educational tool. You know, it's if you know how to utilize them, 
then they can really help to uh, support what you're doing in person in, in those kind of in-person rehearsals. Awesome. David, Dr. David Moyer, thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Playing Around with Playbook. Thank you, Sammy. Uh, we, I look forward to seeing you very soon. Thank you for taking out time with, with, a, with a newborn. I really oh, man. appreciate it. No, I love, I love talking to you, man. Anytime. Um, we got to make the surf happen. We'll go out for a session. Make that happen. Thank you. And time, don't, uh, don't, don't, can. don't be, um, please don't judge me if I'm horrible in the water. I promise I'm better <laughs> at the drums than I can do. I'm, man, I'm right there with you, man. We're like, we're going to be kooking it up in the water. It'll be awesome. All right. <laughs> All right. Good. Be well. See Thanks, David. I'm signing off. All right.